I think Ant-Man played Paul Rudd. <laughs> I've heard that. I've heard that Ant-Man played Paul Rudd. Ant-Man did play Paul Rudd. <laughs> yeah, it was a weird, weird vibe. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to get in that Paul Rudd costume. <laughs> I mean... I mean, Ant Man can shrink and then just like expand yeah, into he it. He uses the disc. <laughs> he uses the disc to fit into the Paul Rudd costume. Yeah. <laughs> it's Monday, October 5th, and you're listening to the Ukirk Atlanta podcast. This week, Reverend Sarah Hooker and Drew Wilmisher are joined by guest Reverend Hamilton Barnes, chaplain at Piedmont Hospital. Join us for a conversation about the intersection of faith, health, and wellness in the midst of pandemic and college life. Well, welcome, uh, Theater of the Mind, for our friends who are listening in. Uh, my name is Drew Wilmisher. I'm joined to my right here by Reverend Sarah Hooker. Hi, everybody. Sarah Hooker. And on my left, I'm joined by Reverend Hamilton Barnes. Hello, everyone. Good to be here. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, I am Drew Wilmisher. Uh, I'm not a pastor yet, but on my way. And I'm currently sitting in a giant glass case that every 15 minutes an alarm goes off, which means either a snake has been released into here or it has not. And I don't know which. (laughs) So hopefully this will keep us on track because every 15 minutes the chance increases that I'm in a glass container with a snake or several snakes. It's a baby snake. (laughs) I... Gosh, I hope so. Uh, well, we are excited to start our very first inaugural podcast. This is mm-hmm. this is exciting. It is. I, I'm really interested to see how this works and what it becomes. Yeah. We're sitting here at uh, Sarah Hooker's house in what I assume is a dungeon. Basement dungeon. It's a pretty cool basement. It's a frat house basement, we've decided. There's a TV and Video microphones. Games. Is that a spider? Uh, yes, that's the Halloween decorations over there that have yet to be on top of the Christmas tree. Yep, giant spiders on the Christmas tree. Yep. You know what? Are you? When do you put them out? Uh, well, uh, my seven-year-old has been asking to put them out for about three weeks now. <laughs> Since tomorrow is uh, officially October, I think we can we can do it. We're we, yeah, we're in the last quarter. Yes. Final quarter of 2020. Yes. Do you think it'll perform better than the other three quarters, or is it just going to continue to burn like all of San Francisco? I'm not going to make any predictions. (laughs) Because who could? I'm going to live it every day, day by day, hour by hour, (laughs) minute by minute. I used to work with somebody who would put out uh, Halloween lights. It was like orange and purple. And then they would take away uh, the, the purple lights and put up orange and green for Thanksgiving. And then they take away the orange lights and put up red. So it was green and red for Christmas. 
And so just for October to December, there was just... Always lights? Always lights. Seems like a lot of work. Well, they were there were uh, five of them, and they were all over six feet tall. So I just imagined them, like, holding their arms out as wide <laughs> as they could with the lights and just walking up to the house in one motion and being done in 30 seconds. Yes, yeah. yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourselves. I am a hospital chaplain at Piedmont Atlanta Hospital in Buckhead. And I have been there since 2011. Oh, so a long time. Yeah. That's almost a decade. Almost a decade. I'll get a 10-year pin when it's a decade. So, But yeah, I've been there a long time and uh, been a part of the pastoral care team the whole time i started there when i was still a student at columbia seminary and uh worked worked my way from a wednesday night on-call person to uh to a full-time position so been there quite a while okay so i think one of our first question is what what does a chaplain do um what do you do my experience doing hospital chaplaincy is that people have this uh image of who we are and what we do from television that in movies that is uh, not always accurate (laughs) Um, or they just don't even know that we exist Um, so uh, if uh, you could explain what it is that you do um, and what chaplains in general do I think that'd be helpful yeah so I'll I'll begin with saying what I part of what I describe my role is I, I like to say that I serve one of the most diverse congregations in Atlanta meaning that anybody and everybody unfortunately gets sick and mm-hmm. goes to the hospital uh to that unpack that a little bit more yes i am a presbyterian pastor um a christian uh person but um i don't just serve protestants or presbyterians or evangelicals um i serve the, the patient population at piedmont hospital mm. and that can be people of various faiths or or no described faith at all and kind of meeting those people wherever they are. Mm-hmm. Um, patients, families, and staff of the hospital. Um, part of being a chaplain is you do come from a faith tradition, whether you're a rabbi or an imam, a priest, or a pastor. You Chaplains all have a seminary degree, a master's divinity, but then also do advanced training in how to be a chaplain in a clinical pastoral education program, which is at least a, a year and a half of further study past the master's degree. So chaplains are very educated in how how to deal with people and also um, how to how to support people in their faith journey. Mm-hmm. Um, a good example of that um, being uh, in uh, COVID-19 is our our Muslim staff um, pray on prayer rugs. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, th- with COVID being passed through, through mouth uh, germs and droplets, people didn't want to use the same prayer rug over and over again. So we started um, supplying the chapel with clean towels every day so that everybody who goes in there to pray in that that way will have a clean cloth to put their face down on. Oh, that's really and interesting. And so we, we roll up towels and leave them in a basket, and then there's a laundry hamper for the person who's used that to, to drop it in. Huh. So that's a, that's a little piece of 
that is not my faith tradition. That is not how I pray, uh-huh. but um, it's something we support those who do. An- another example would just be like delivering um, certain foods on on particular Jewish holidays that that um, patients may celebrate. Mm-hmm. And then probably the most obvious is uh, like Ash Wednesday, doing the ashes for Christians. Mm-hmm. Mm. would be kind of religion specific things that that a chaplain does but more often than not it's just having conversations with people and sometimes there's a prayer at the end of the conversation and sometimes there's not but being somebody that can can be there for them wherever wherever their journey is at that particular time um i'm curious in that uh kind of practice is there ever a moment when you're asked to do something that you're not comfortable with um i mean i'm always guided by my conscience so i wouldn't do something that i felt was unethical but um kind of one of my guiding philosophies of ministry is that the pastoral need um supersedes uh, you know right theology so that would always be my guiding principle. Mm-hmm. And also, what's the actual need? Right. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, can you say more about what you mean by the actual need? Yeah, so a great example of this is there was a long-term patient in the hospital several years ago, and her father died while she was in the hospital, and a bunch of the nurses thought, well, we need to have a funeral service for her because she's not going to be able to go to his funeral. Uh-huh. But nobody actually asked her if she wanted that. Mm. Um, and when I finally went into the room and asked that, she she didn't want that. She said that would be too hard for me to sit through. I don't think that's something I'd, I would want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something we all do. We want to fix things. We want to make things right. And we have our ideas but to stop and ask what does the person that we're trying to help need or want is a, a big part of that. So there's a perceived need versus a genuine need. And that and that's the case with all kinds of ministry. I'm, I mean, it's whether it's a college campus or a homeless ministry or a church youth group. Yeah. What's the actual need? Right. Versus what's the the perception or whatever. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of, I experienced this and I'm sure Drew, you experienced this too. There's just a lot of reassessing of like, oh, I have this great idea in my head. This is what the students need, or this is what my context needs, blah, blah, blah. And then you have to like pull back and be like, okay, I've not actually talked with any of the students about this (laughs) or, you know, we come up with plans in the, cler- in the clergy association meeting and we're like, okay, here, we're going to do all this stuff. And then you're like, oh, wait, but we, okay, we need to figure out if that's actually what the people that we're doing this for actually want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be amazing. No one wants this. Yep. One, one part of my job is I have to speak like corporate speak sometimes and like medical speak. Yeah. And, uh, so I took this class called Greenbelt. That's like a process improvement thing that started with like engineers and auto manufacturing. Uh-huh. But they call this the Gimba walk, where you walk through and you talk to people that are boots on the ground and figure out if you're 
needs is really met and also like looking around to see what's really happening uh-huh they have an actual name for it mm-hmm. oh my yeah, gosh so... <laughs> of course they, of course they do yeah <laughs> they. yeah so uh <laughs> gotta label everything yeah yeah so in my in my training we learned to to do that or whatever but it's you know it's something as you know pastoral caregivers as as people that are you know in the helping professions we've we've done so right mm-hmm. right oh that's really interesting <laughs> that is inter- the, so the gimbal walk yeah okay which, which i like knowing that is an interesting part of my job too i'm a i work in a secular job i work for a corporation mm-hmm. um you know i don't yes i am a presbyterian pastor i hold my ordination and follow all the all the rules i need to do that but ultimately i'm paid by piedmont Healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, not the Presbyterian Church. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you ever feel like an undercover agent? Um, like a secret spy? In no, that capacity? no, not at all. I'm. I feel like we're. A, I'm a. I'm a valuable asset to a team that holds a unique uh, role. That I'm. I'm looking through a lens that no one else is. Mm-hmm. Um. And part part of my job is not just you know attending to like people in crisis, but also sitting on committees and going to to ICU rounds where we round on every patient and I'm sitting there with the dietitian and the social worker and the pharmacist mm-hmm. and and uh, we're another member of that interdisciplinary team but uh, with very different training than than the rest of the, the Another question we have for you is um, you talked about a little bit just of some of the things um, that you've done um, in as the pastoral care office. Um, but how has um, your job changed in the time of COVID-19? Um, what are some challenges that you faced? Um, some things that you have had to and your team have had to innovate um, that have been worked really well and that you've been surprised about um so maybe just share a little bit about that um, i think it'd be really interesting yeah. to hear and if you can put it in as dramatic terms as phrase <laughs> <Grey's> anatomy <laughs> that would be great you know I, w- I will start with the fact that i like to say my job hasn't changed yeah um i still go to work every day i still see patients and and families and, mm-hmm. and and staff, but the parts of my job have changed. the The thoughts and perceptions, people's anxiety level. Um, I was able to go to, go in every day and work and see those people. Uh, an interesting one of the interesting things is the lack of families. Mm. Um, there's been there's been multiple times where we've had to scale back visitors in the hospital completely do away with visitors in the hospital um that that is a different big difference is going into a a random unit in the hospital and not seeing a lot of people what is the uh, standard number of visitors would you say like how how has that changed what would um, you say is the went from no rules to none um so you yeah. could have like whole you'd have like multiple generations of family in a single yeah room yeah, and now we, it's 
Yeah, it wasn't uncommon before, especially a very tight family who all live locally. Um, you know, sometimes to have 20 people there, Mm -hmm. um, and to a time where to have one visitor, there's, um, you know, special permissions from the highest administrator working that day. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a big, that's the biggest difference. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, when families are there, we're, 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 we're meeting with them and also, um, doing telephone ministry, which is a new, a new thing. We're not, we weren't doing a lot of phone calls to people's homes, um, before this and that, and we definitely uh, do that more now. Okay. Have you seen maybe not an increase, but a shift in the type of care that you provide to staff? Yeah. Yeah. Especially in the beginning of COVID, Mm -hmm. we were, I was meeting with, with staff quite a bit, just the uncertainty of what, what was coming and what we were doing. Mm -hmm. And I will say during that, it was proud to be a part of a team who prepared well and did, did their job still to do their job exceptionally well. But yeah, so I'm, not that I mean staff care has always been a big part of my job mm-hmm. um, but not necessarily having things like COVID to talk about and then also you know people's marriages getting postponed and you know trying to figure out if they're gonna visit their parents or not you know those aren't those definitely weren't conversations that you know anybody was having pre-pandemic right yeah yeah, we've had change in our conversations just with our students of, you know, you know, never talking before about s- the safety measures of physically going to class. <laughs> you know, it's just something that you do, right? You go to class and then you go to the dining hall and, you know, do all these things. And now, you know, big, just long conversations and concerns and questions. Um, I mean, it feels like we're living in a teen dystopian novel where we're like, how did you make it through the outside? Are you okay? Did anyone see you? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's just a little bit like you're in a dream world or some like sci-fi thing. Yeah, conversations that seminary never trained us. No. Not at all. In fact, I mean, the biggest, probably the biggest thing theologically is, uh, you know, when the three of us graduated from seminary, if we would have said we were serving communion virtually, we would have failed that that paper. Yes, we would. And uh, <laughs> yes, we're serving communion. I did it in person, and I almost failed that. Paper. We we serve communion <laughs> on the internet, some pre-recorded film, and that's that's the norm now because we're trying to keep right. people safe. And, right. And our our theology is changing on what do you what it means to be in communion with each other. Yep. I don't know how much communion bread has become sourdough. A lot of it's become sourdough. um, Since March. Goldfish crackers. Goldfish. um, Ritz. The hamburger bun left over from the night before. (laughs) You know, I'm... Already split. I'm, I'm serving <laughs> communion for uh, Central Presbyterian um, for World Communion Sunday, and uh, it's already filmed. Uh, the cat's out of the bag. But uh, <laughs> you, what? 
but, uh, but fourth uh, wall, fourth but, uh, wall. But, uh, something I've always wanted to do was just take two like pieces of bread out of the loaf. Yeah. And and to kind of note that like this is normal stuff. This was a normal meal, and we are normal people. And you know, right? I, I you know I did that. I put those down in the you know the plate and. That's how I did communion. But part of me thinks it's like I've not I've not presided over virtual communion yet, either pre-recorded, um, but I've participated. So you know, if someone else is doing it on the screen and they're like, "Grab what you got," you know, so you grab what you got. So you are presiding. Kind of, it's weird as a pastor to be like, "This is what I normally do," but I'm not the one saying the words. Um, but it it does remind me of just like this is this is like just what happened. Yeah, it's for meal. the original, like Jesus was eating a meal and was like, "Oh, there's bread on the table," and he's like, "See this, this, this that's already been here and that we've already all been eating. This is my body, and oh, this you know mug of wine that we've all been drinking already. Who knows how much? Like." <laughs> Right. <laughs> That's what this is. Right. So, like, like Jesus got cut up at the beginning and then halfway through the meal was like, I meant to lead off with this. <laughs> uh, and, uh, I guess oh, just hand me the bread. Nobody touch that. We're going to put a white tablecloth over it. Right. No one look at it. At the appropriate time, I will remove it and then we will. <laughs> Thomas, make sure the lens cap is off film this so it does like even though it's changed it's changed so much it's um for me it's become very it's it's become a little i've it's i've been humbled by it a little bit more yeah of like oh this is this is just people having a meal and using what we've got to be like jesus is here in what we got (laughs) yeah jesus is here in our in our struggle, in our circumstance, yeah. in our messiness. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's neat. Yeah. Um, Jesus is here in our goldfish crackers and apple juice. Yeah. Communion. Mm. I mean, from a, from a hospital chaplain's perspective, that's always been a little bit of the case, too. Not that we serve communion a lot. Right. Because most people that want communion are, are Roman Catholic right. um, patients who uh, would want a, a Catholic... Um, either Eucharistic minister or priest to serve their communion. So mm-hmm. the the handful of times that I have had to do communion, it's it's like scrambling for the wafers that are down in a filing cabinet and going to the cafeteria for, for the grape juice. mentioned um before we were recording i believe that you uh went to seminary with the intention of uh doing college ministry so share what you love about college students yeah and college I, ministry i love i love college ministry I, that's where my call story really begins i went to college not knowing what i was going to major in really not no plans i went to a small liberal arts college called presbyterian 
kind of because I could go there without a major and it was a small nurturing environment. I started majoring in religion and philosophy because I liked the classes, not because I really was going to do anything with those. I thought, oh, I could go to law school with this or I could, yeah. you know, go get a PhD and whatever with this. Um, and uh, then started working for the chaplain's office, not because I wanted to do anything related to ministry because I really liked working for him and and the kind of work we were doing and kind of middle way through my senior year of of college after I'd already got hired on to be the pre-seminary intern which I said I'll take the job but I'm not going to seminary (laughs) and uh, I had to kind of say like yeah you know I said that to you but uh I think it's not a coincidence that I've really enjoyed studying these yeah. classes and working here. I'm gonna I'm gonna walk that back. But uh, <laughs> it was kind of yeah. It was a it was a time for me where you know exploration and and uh, learning and talking about faith and I, I think college is an awesome time where people can you know it's your first sometimes it's your first experience on your own and your your you're expressing who you are and what you believe and and it's in an academically challenging environment as well mm-hmm. where where in times according to what you're what you're learning may may reinforce what you believed at home or maybe challenge it and you're trying to figure out like what what do I what I think about what this professor saying and and not not taking that as as gospel either and trying to, I don't know. I think that's a, that's, it's a neat time in, in, in uh, someone's life. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun, you know, there's Frisbees and everywhere. People just, you're allowed to do like crazy stuff. Like, like I remember my, I think it was my like sophomore year or my freshman year. We decided that what would really be good on prospective students weekend was we needed a slip and slide. <laughs> that like we would be sliding on while the prospective students came so they'd know like we're a fun place to be. <laughs> yeah. And like Because what's more fun than a what's more fun than a slip and slide? Slip and slide. <laughs> yeah. So like every frictionless environment is hysterical fun. <laughs> yeah, so like but like like nobody goes to like a job like you know, like, you know what, we need to get people here. We need a, a slip and slide. For they'll want to come work here if we have a slip and slide, but <laughs> But college employers they, take note. But college, you know, you're allowed to do that. And yeah. Did it, you have to like figure out when the tours were going on and like plan it? Oh yeah. Like the night before, oh, oh, or was yeah. it like a morning of? No, situation? this was like this was planned. This was like a couple weeks of planning. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know like, if you had like a go bag, like ready to unroll the tarp. You know, like I see a prospective student. Quick, get it out. No, that was more just like fifteen people with soap bottles come running up. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it wasn't quite that uh, that haphazard, but <laughs> I'm sure it would have been the same if it was. <laughs> People on a slip and slide just appear haphazard. Yeah, you are haphazard. <laughs> <laughs> the haphazard is like, hey, you want to go down the slip and slide together? <laughs> and that never works no, out well. No, nope. We're staying on our we're feet two, this time. We're two guys that weigh well over 100 pounds. <laughs> 
We're going to crash into each other going down this wet slide. And someone's foot ends up in someone's face. or And then you it, end up off the slide in the grass, and somebody gets, like, their chest cut open. Oh, no. See, I'm hearing uh, pre-med, uh, sports medicine, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. science and physics. Yeah. Uh, yep. Engineering, <laughs> ag- engineering, engineering, agriculture. Like it just involves it, a lot uh, of disciplines. You know, hospitality, ethics, and philosophy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Just all that to say, like I had a lot of fun in college, and uh, I had a lot of fun in seminary too. And uh, I, I enjoyed those those uh, times of my life, and and kind of what I was able to do, and the people that that were in my life professors and chaplains and other leaders that you know helped help nurture me mm-hmm. into into who I am yeah so that's that's a big part of it was just that like I was because my call story was happening during that time and I I enjoyed academia that it, it seemed like that would be a good a good fit and that's where I kind of felt like I could, I initially like wanted to work or whatever. Back then, I didn't even know there was such a thing as a hospital chaplain. So, <laughs> but, but yes, that's, that's kind of where it began. chaplain on Grey's Anatomy. I haven't watched a lot of Grey's Anatomy. On a medical hospital drama, As a, what kind of who who would you who would you who would you cast as um, you? You know, <laughs> the two the two actors that are original I'm thinking about that came the first actor I thought about was Jack Black cuz he's hilarious. <laughs> Uh, I think Jack Black would be an amazing hospital and the chaplain. Second, the second one I'm thinking Hospital of, chaplains, take note. Um, Robert Downey Jr. You know, Iron Man does not... He is a tough dude. He's incredibly smart. He's seen a lot of stuff. He has He's seen a no, lot of no stuff. No surprises. But, uh, Hard to surprise him. But, you know, I should, I should probably say, like, you know, somebody that's incredibly handsome and very tough, like... Chris Hemsworth, who plays Thor. Oh, he would ne- he would never not be getting calls. I know exactly, or whatever. His get- pager would be blowing up. It would yeah. melt so, from the friction of the calls so, I mean, coming if, in. If some, I mean, I think that's what you're supposed to say when somebody's in the plane. <laughs> no, I'm with you. Or, uh, you know. My wife and I have had, had this this game where we're like, who would play you in a movie about your life? And she consistently tells me Jimmy Fallon. And I'm like, I don't know how to take that. I think it's great. I love Jimmy Fallon. Who doesn't? But he's like... He's a singer. He's funny. Um, he is best when he's paired with Justin Timberlake. True. If that was a, a show together, yes. I'd watch it every day. <laughs> I really wish Justin Timberlake was on Jimmy Fallon every day. Maybe a chaplain buddy do yeah, <laughs> buddy comedy. A um, chaplain buddy comedy. If it was a, if it was a musical, 
It would be Usher. <laughs> or, you know, it, it would be like a hip hopper or something. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, I think I'd have to choose. Uh, ideally, I'd love Kristen Bell to play me as a ch- hospital chaplain. Yes. I think she'd be a great college chaplain, too. Oh, Kristen easily. Bell would be a great hit on the college campus. Uh, yes. Yes. I, I can only dream to be even a fraction of of her comedic and <laughs> talent. Um yeah, I think Kristen Bell is my is my number one pick. Who would you have play you? Oh, who would play me? Yeah. Either uh, in hospital or college chaplain. Okay. Uh there are a, many overlaps. Right. This says you in ministry. Just, Just you me, in ministry. G- yeah. Me in ministry. Uh I'm gonna have to go with well, clearly, I mean, you say Chris Hemsworth, and that's, I mean, it's too obvious. You can't, you, 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 I can't go with that because, like, obviously the abs alone get him the role of me. Um, I inspired him, um, I believe, in his <laughs> athletic and physical goals as a motivator. Um, particularly in Endgame? Particularly in Endgame. Got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> he was struggling. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, no, I think I think Paul Rudd. Honestly, I think Paul Rudd would be an excellent me. Uh, he's got that. He he's the kind of guy that strikes me, and this is a, a self compliment, and I'm not afraid to own it. Uh, but he strikes like that perfect line between uh, dramatic sincerity and comedic hilarity. And I feel like that's the perfect union of who I am. Uh, I like to make either I, I like to make people laugh until they cry, or I like to make people cry until they laugh. Okay, final question. Oh, from Fun our question. student. Well, we've kind of talked about that. A little, yeah. A little bit. If you okay, just uh, just real fast. One of our students asked, "What celebrity have you met?" What celebrity have I met? A funny, a funny uh, version of the story is, um, so this, uh, when I was living in downtown Decatur, they were filming Atlanta Eats at the Pinewood Tippling Room, which is a great restaurant that is no longer there, mm-hmm. but a um, friend of ours wanted to go there because they were filming, and so we're like, yeah, we'll go, we'll eat, we'll eat tater tots and while they film or whatever, and, uh, <laughs> and so I was, they like came by the table and you know, they interviewed me about what I like about eating in Decatur. And, and, uh, I was at work one day and this lady I work with come up to me and said, do you know, you look just like a guy that was on Atlanta eats. <laughs> I said, cause I am that guy on Atlanta eats. <laughs> was that eating, so, was that guy eating tater tots? Cause that was me. <laughs> yeah. That's there a brag. There but... were grit tots and they were way too hot. Uh, like uh the the guy brought him out and i was like i know these can be really hot like because the cameras are on can you please tell me like if these are cool or not he's like oh yeah they've been sitting back there for a while these are cooled down he was not correct (laughs) (laughs) they were like three thousand degrees (laughs) and i'm trying to chew this tater tot in my mouth it's like (laughs) why they've got like four cameras on my face so So, These came immediately out of our stone clay. <laughs> they came straight out of the deep fryer. Like three lava seconds. tots. Yeah, so. <laughs> lava tots. Not, 
not that I like being a random person on Atlanta Eats makes you famous, but I think that's a really funny story. You were someone else's you, celebrity. You were someone else's yeah, celebrity. Yeah, she's like, you're that guy on Atlanta Eats. And I'm like, yeah, I am. She's like, <laughs> and she was like amazed. She's like, you're really? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and you just show up at a restaurant and sign a waiver and... <laughs> You can be famous. Yeah, you can be famous on Atlanta public access television. But, uh, Street TV. Kids, kids take note. Take note. But, uh, this could be you. I can't say that, like, I run into tons of celebrities all the time. Well, that was our only question from our students. It's yeah. true. Yes. Well, thank you, it's Hamilton. The first one. Yes, thank you so much for coming and talking to us. Do you have any parting words of wisdom for college-aged students or anyone else who hopefully will listen to this yeah. podcast? No, it's a hard year, but we're all getting through it. And uh, whatever feeds your soul, keep doing it. Whether that's mm-hmm. running or pottery or whatever your your hobby of choice is whatever that thing that gets you out of your own head keep doing it it's easy uh to to not prioritize those things mm-hmm. and uh find find a way to do that awesome thank you so much for yeah. being here thanks yeah thank for, you so much hamilton me. this has been the ukirk atlanta podcast For more information about the Ukirk Atlanta Campus Ministries at Georgia State, Emory, and Agnes Scott, or to donate online, visit www.ukirkatlanta.com.